BBCC episode 35. No realization of the day for this episode. I just want to say a big thank you to everyone who has listened to the podcast. Um, it started it back in June, and now we have made it to the end of the year, so I'm happy that I was able to stick with it. And I'm happy you guys stuck with me as well. Shout out to all my wonderful guests who have joined me in talking 66 movies in 34 episodes. Hopefully, it has added a little joy to this year that has been a little wonky and weird because it has definitely been an immense joy for me. So now... Let's wrap up 2020. Hello, hello. Congratulations, you guys survived 2020. It is your boy here, Devon Taylor, aka underscore Daddy Disco on Twitter and Instagram. And this is the Bloody Blunt Cinema Club. It's a horror podcast where we break down our favorite horror movies into subgenres, and then we go even deeper than that, and we get real high while we're talking about it. And I usually have a guest or two to talk those movies, but this is the Bloody Blunt Cinema Club end of the year wrap up. Um, this is the final episode of 2020, and we are recapping the year in horror, um, our favorite movies, our favorite uh, performances and scenes. We got all sorts of stuff to talk to you about today, our top six films of 2020, and the first annual Bloodies, the award show that I will do here at the end of the year on the podcast for however long this thing goes for. But joining me because I am not doing this alone. I can't just have one opinion for 2020. I had to bring back a guest that we had earlier in the year. He joined us in um, for the very first found footage episode, not even in found footage month, but he joined us for the first found footage episode. It is Johnny the Horror Hack. Come on, man. It's, it's so cool to come back on the show, dude. We had a lot of fun in that episode talking some found footage some uh, grave encounters and as above so below so i just had to come back on dude yes thank you so much for joining me um uh, we did have such a wonderful conversation absolutely um loved uh that episode and then our interactions on twitter of course um you're just always great to talk movies with and i wanted to make sure it was like a past guest coming on you know someone who's already gotten to do their like actual episode and now you you know how the show works you know what the vibe is around here and uh, we're gonna we're gonna count down this year. So um, to kind of jump into it, what are uh, your general thoughts on uh, our year in horror this year? We've um, you know been on lockdown. Movie theaters have been closed for a good portion of the year, but of course that doesn't stop um, the horror genre, which has already been kind of you know deeply saturating the VOD market. So how do you think uh, things went this year for the genre? Yeah, I think. Um... Well, it was so weird. It seems so long ago, man, because I saw started out with uh, kind of a, a cool bang because I saw I remember seeing Underwater. I think they released that in January of yeah. this year. I think that was like one of the first ones I saw. And I just one of those movies that go zero to 100. I mean, it started out so fast. It was a pretty cool feature to see in the in the theater. Um, I thought Kristen Stewart did a pretty good job. I know she gets some some hate some haters on her 
But, uh, you know, I thought that was a cool movie to start out. Um, you know, wasn't really a fan of the grudge that, uh, shortly after, um, that was kind of out. And I remember, I think the last one I saw in the theater was the hunts. Um, I think that was that, that's a Blumhouse picture, right? Uh, the uh yes. The... Or no, it wasn't actually, I don't think it was Blumhouse actually, but it, it was, that did come out in like February. I remember. Yeah. Yeah. So I remember those are the ones I saw in the theater, but just general thoughts. Yeah. Uh, with, with tons of movies being moved um, out of 2020 due to COVID and stuff, you know, marketed for next year, like uh, you know, the conjuring, the devil made me do it. Antlers, Halloween kills, St. Maud. Well, I know, I think St. Maud came out uh, overseas, but not in the U S yet. Mm-hmm. Um, so you have all these pictures being moved. So kind of, it was, it was a great, time to just sit there and and find a bunch of indies like on shutter or amazon prime or you know just non-blockbuster big movies so i think that was a really good move um because i found a lot and i thought that foreign horror sort of kicked it up a notch this year too i found maybe they've always been there i just feel Mm -hmm. like i watched a lot of more foreign horror stuff like I found movies like Monstrum and Metamorphosis and Sputnik, you know, the, the Russian sci-fi film and uh, uh, Dogs Don't Wear Pants. I mean, it's kind of a, a body horror type of film that I saw in Shudder. But um, I thought that just finding those gems this year was perfect when we're all at home, can't go to the theater. So I thought it was a kind of a great year for those indie movies like that. Oh, yeah. I would totally agree with you. It was a weird year for me because I remember like towards the beginning of the year, I wasn't really going to the theaters a whole bunch. Um, They're just uh, some of the earlier ones in the year just like, yeah, didn't grab me to like get me in the theaters, except I wish I saw Underwater in theaters. I did watch it here a few days ago at home and I have a pretty good like TV and sound system. So, I mean, I get to still have a good, like, pretty viewing experience whenever I watch movies at home, but I am just, like, a theater head and, like, just, like, being there, you know? So, I really didn't get to see too many in the theaters, and then, of course, you know, the way that everything started unfolding this year, and like you said, like, movies kind of moved around, and... And then once I found myself like not being able to go to the theater at all, which is like if I'm a lot of movies that I'm like excited about, if I'm going to see it for the first time and I can see it in theaters, like I want that to be my first viewing experience. But of course, as the year went on, had to get over that. (laughs) Um, But (laughs) like uh, as we like kind of get into it, I didn't watch, you know, too many 2020 films really in general. This year for me was kind of going back and uh rediscovering you know either some like older films like you know more uh you know I'm trying to just expand my film knowledge and like you said like kind of getting into uh more foreign films and and even just like just gems in general of like or like movies that like came out that was just like oh I always wanted to watch that one but like never got to it so I had great first time watches as far as like that went with movies like Splice and um Phantom of the Paradise and um, you know, just like finding all these other random movies that are like super high on my list now of just like, oh, wow, I absolutely love that. But because I only got to 38 2020 releases and most of them are horror movies, all but like five of them. Um, so it's like I didn't get mm-hmm. as many new releases in as I'd like to, but I did squeeze quite a bit in in this past week or so. I my catch up went fairly well, I would say. 
Um, so, you know, there's a, there's a lot of movies to talk about from this year. Um, we, of course, will not get to all of them if there's a movie that you love from 2020 and we didn't mention it. It's not because we didn't enjoy it or, or maybe we did enjoy it, but it just didn't crack um, the lists that we're going to have today. Or maybe we just didn't get to it because there is just like so much that came out this year, though. I mean, like, it, especially in the horror department, like there's still so many on my list. That I was like, damn, I wish I would have got to and, um, you know, before we got to this recording. But we did the best we can, and these are just our personal list people, so, you know, don't don't come at us with anything crazy or, you know, telling us we we're wrong. We don't need wrong. to hate people. No, we don't need none of that. This is just our personal, mm-hmm. like, these are not saying these are the best films of the year. These are our top films. These are right. our personal awards that we're giving out. So, um, let's go ahead and get right into it, guys. Before we get into our top six films of the year, let's go ahead and uh, talk a few honorable mentions. Um, These are movies that didn't make our top six, or maybe we didn't have any awards for them either. Um, Just a few films that we want to shout out um, quickly, just to like kind of get them out there, so that way they do have a little bit of love. Because again, there's just so many movies we could be talking about. So, uh, Johnny, why don't you hit us off with a few of your honorable mentions? Sure, man. Glad to. Yeah, a few of my honorable mentions. Um, first of all, <clears throat> I gotta I gotta give some love to Rent a Pal. I don't know if you saw that film at all this year. I did it's, not. Uh, essentially, it's a it's a dude that becomes best friends with a VHS tape. Um, mm. It's uh, it's a dude. He. Um, I'm sorry. I don't really have tons of notes on this one, but um, he lives he lives alone with his mother who has dementia just kind of a just sad loner guy has no life has to take care of his mom he's got no girlfriend or friends he goes to one of these um uh dating he puts himself on tape one of those 1980s dating services i believe this takes place like in the 80s yeah and he goes to an agency and to put himself on tape and to try and find dates and when he's there, he finds this tape called Rent-A-Pal that's in the sales bin and he buys it for five bucks. And it's Will Wheaton on the VHS tape just talking to you like you're his best pal. He's like, hi, how's how's your day going? And he'll like pause for you to, to talk. So it's basically this guy in his basement losing his shit, slowly slip, losing grip on reality, becoming friends with his VHS tape. I highly recommend that one uh, to watch. It's just kind of one of these weird, slow burn, character driven movies. I love it's 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 a it's a funky one. I love like odd tech movies, but then like also like these like odd relationship movies where people are like very much searching for just connection any way they can. Yes. Um, I love movies with that premise. I did like, as soon as you started explaining it, I was like, okay, I have heard about this one, but so um, throwing that one on my list, what's another one you got? Another one. Um, another one I, I really, lo- I really enjoyed was the cleansing hour that's streaming now on shutter. It's just about, uh, you know, a fake uh, priest that does fake exorcisms on a, on a live streaming show called the cleansing hour. And I don't know if you caught this one. Oh, I caught it. All right. And we're going to be talking more about it. 
we will definitely yeah, be talking. Because I actually I did love it, and it almost made my list. And it, now that I look at my list, maybe it should have been on there because I love this movie. Um, so yeah, we, we'll talk about that more later. Yeah, we will. Um, we will definitely have a minute to talk about the cleansing hour because it is on my list. So you will get um, a little more time to uh, talk about it and uh, throw out a one more honorable mention. Yeah, one more. Um, I got to throw out Possessor. Uh, I got to throw out Possessor with Brandon Cronenberg. Um, oh, God. How do you even explain this one? Um, just <laughs> get, you know, if you know Cronenberg, you know it's going to be strange because his father, David, you know, awesome director, writer who did Videodrome and, and The Fly and movies like that. Mm-hmm. But I know that you you weren't as much of a fan of this one, I, I don't think, right? Um, I mean, I liked it, and it is in my honorable mention, so we can use this as the segue into mine as well. Um, yeah, Possessor's a big one, and I thought it might Great. have been on your list. So um, I think, yeah, maybe people will be shocked that this is not in either of our top sixes, because this was like kind of one of the really big movies uh, in the genre community this year. Like people, it was highly anticipated, you know, people were talking about it, then it had, you know, the uncut version for people to watch. And then it was a, it's a good conversational piece for sure. Um, Basically it's, they are reverse exorcist assassins. They, they possess this this there company <laughs> possesses people so that way they can carry out assassinations using this surrogate body. And um, you follow this assassin who's been doing this for a long time and is slowly losing her grip on reality and her situation at hand. Um, and, you know, I mean, the visuals, pretty dope. The score, pretty dope. Yes. Um, uh, performances by Christopher Abbott and... Um, uh Eisen Eisenbro. What's her what's her first name? Andrea. Yeah, um, yeah. Um Andrea. Yeah, great. But you know, I just think I know a lot of people like it that they just kind of present the premise but don't explore explore it too much. I'm fine with that too, and I I actually am fine with the amount of information we got, but I don't think they established um the protagonist well enough for me and so just not having that from the beginning that's the what didn't carry me into caring more throughout the film because it's like okay if we're not going to explore the premise then I want to know more about the 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 character that we're following and well the characters that we're following and we don't really get much of either of them we actually get more of the guy I would say than we do from um Andrea's character so that that's the thing that pulled it back for me and and people talked about how shocking it is and how violent it is and stuff i mean yeah it is but there's really only like four violent scenes and then there's a couple weird sex scenes it's not that crazy but i don't know it might just be because i'm a little desensitized so that's the reason i couldn't put it higher and i didn't give it a better score than i want to i wanted to like it more i really did yeah like you said, like visuals are dope. Um, I do agree with you now. I think that's what kind of knocked it off the list. Like you kind of nailed it with wanting to know more about the protagonist. Um, I wanted, you know, cause I thought we were going to dive more deep into her when she's, when she's, um, uh, go, they're going through the objects and she's telling her boss, like what the object is. And I think, okay, this is from her past. This is from her life. Like, are we going to dive into, this more and what what she is but yeah you're right they didn't really bring that up they didn't really um explore it as much 
Yeah. Everything in that movie is about like the the little tiny details, which I'm all about. But if you're going to fill out an hour, 50 minute movie, I need more than that. You know, so right. Possessor, honorable mention, um, solid movie. I will definitely rewatch it um, for sure. Um, but, you know, it is what it is. Um, my one of my other honorable mentions is uh, one BR, one bedroom. Um, this mm. one was um, quite popular this year. Um, it's really good. I love me a good culty movie. Um, you know, it's about this gal. She's new to L.A. She moves into this apartment community. It's a little bit more tight knit than people are used to, which is not the case out here in L.A. This uh, if you do stumble across this type of living community run because they don't like you that much. <laughs> um, <laughs> but it's um, it's it has a really good um, lead performance um, that is very subtle and quiet with um and but she's very transparent with her emotions so you like very much feel what she's going through throughout the movie it also has um one of my favorite villain performances of the year um by um by the by the cute guy neighbor um i don't have his i think his name giles matthew he played brian um, shout out to him. He was kind of close for my, ba- for my best male performance. Um, because he very much like flipped the switch, um, spoilers, uh, spoilers for all the movies we're talking about in this episode. I'll reiterate that in the top six, but spoilers. Um, but the, the nice neighbor, you know, is her friend. Of course he turns out to be one of the, like the main bad guys in the movie. And he is terrifying. We will get into that more in the award section. Cause I do have a, um, a shout out for one BR later, but, um, the movie would have been a lot better if the ending, cause they kind of ripped it off of the invitation, which would be, which would have been fine if they actually connected it to the invitation, that would have been cool. But since it's not, it just kind of felt like a rip off ending. It's funny. Cause, um, right when you said one BR, I was like, oh damn, I like, think that price should have been on one of my, uh, honorable mentions too. Cause it's like, oh yeah, I love that one. You know, I love, uh, you're right, when she's in this community in, the, in this L.A., us both living in Los Angeles and probably have lived in apartments around Los Angeles. Well, I think in my review of this one, or I reviewed this one for my channel, I really liked it, is that uh, nobody's around or talks to one another when you're in an L.A. complex, I feel. I feel like, so if you see people smiling and having a cookout and like, no, run, because it doesn't exist here. People go in their door, out their door. They just shut the door. It's not even a hello, sir. Hey, what's up? You know, everyone keeps to themselves, right? I mean, straight up. I've lived in the same apartment for the past like two, uh, a little over two years. And I've spoken to like two of my neighbors, the ones that like live directly across the way from me. I don't even know their names. I know their dog's <laughs> yeah. name. That's sad, um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but yeah, um, it's, so it, it, it's an interesting play, and I love like just any story of the the artist comes to L.A. and you know things yep. go already. I mean, that's you know my jam. You know, I I love movies like that. So shout out to One Br. And my last shout out. Speaking of moving to L or going to L.A. and then things going down, um, a shout out to Bit. Um, it, this was a movie, it's about a gang of, um, trans queer vampires. Um, we have a, uh, transgender, uh, lead protagonist and which is pretty cool because like, 
it's a part of the movie, but it's also not a real big part of the movie. Um, in in the way that they tell it but it's it's a fun it's really cheeky um you know they have a lot of winks to the cameras about like you know how vampires actually are and like how things go down in vampire movies um it's like a and it's like a modern female lost boys in a way um that i enjoyed it had some nice style it had some good music scenes it has some good um some good uh, scenes of violence in it. It's pretty bloody, of course. And then uh, the fact that they casted um, the most like unsexy Dracula, which makes sense <laughs> because they're you know very anti you know um, anti evil men in this movie. Um, so I like that they subverted. You know, Dracula is always a very sexy character. And they, like, made it to where it's, like, people are still, like, irresistible to him. But, like, this guy is gross looking and, like, not sexy whatsoever, <laughs> which I appreciated, though, um, just because it's a it's a funny, interesting change of pace. But the third act of the movie gets really weird and strange and, like, the character motivations get kind of muddled. But it's a very fun watch, though. Like, it's something that I will definitely, like, throw on um, in the future because it's just a it's an easy, fun watch and... um you know, it's, it's cool. It's a cool one. Did you catch bit? I didn't. Now I want to, I put that one on my list now because I, I have seen that one around and I just didn't get around to, to watching it. So that's a must watch for me. Yeah, it, it, it's a fun one. Um, definitely, um, really a really great movie. If you're into queer horror stories, um, this one was a pretty fun original one. Um, yeah, so, you know, but there's so many movies, so little time. We can only see so much, people. But yeah. now we are going to get into our cream of the crop for 2020. So we are counting down our top six films of the year. I didn't want to do 10 because that's a lot, but I wanted to do more than five. So I like the number six. So that's what we're doing here is um, me and Johnny are going to go back and forth on our top six from the bottom up. And we're going to go back and forth and um, rank our films. And then if um, one person has a film ranked higher than the other, we will save it for when it comes up higher in the ranking. Um, So, Johnny, you think you're ready to go? I think I'm ready, man. All right. I will go ahead and kick off um, our, our lists here with my number six film of the year. I have Sputnik, directed by Igor Abramenko. Is that on your list or am I good to go for this one? You're good to go. That was actually an honorable mention for me, almost on the list, but you're good to go. Awesome. So Sputnik is a um, a sci-fi horror film that came out. um, It's Polish, correct? Um, For the origin. Um, It is a um, interesting, it's not what I thought it was going to be. It's a film. I thought it was going to take place. I thought it took place like more in space and it was going to be kind of like a more traditional two men against an alien like type deal. I wasn't sure what kind of film this was going to be, but it's very much not that, um, you have a man, one of the spacemen returns to earth, uh, from a mission and he has brought something back with him. And this is a, uh, body horror alien film as it is, bonded to him like a symbiote and you follow a um a doctor who is trying to figure out how to separate it from him while um other people have other agendas um i absolutely i love the vibe of this movie it sets a really nice tone at the beginning 
this score is an absolute banger. Like, oh my goodness, it's yeah. so good. Like, I like I was watching this at like eleven thirty, and I was like, I know I shouldn't play this loud, but like I have to. So I remember I like rewound mm-hmm. a scene so I could play the score louder on it because I was like, dun, dun. Uh, it's so good. Um, and it's um, it's this interesting. You know, there's there's a lot of walking and talking going on. It's not as like showy and like you know, bombastic as alien movies typically are, but I like the ideas that they're playing with here. Um, It's kind of like they took elements of Arrival and the movie Life, which I absolutely love. It kind of like took like both elements of those and sprinkled it in, but then also made it their own original thing. Um, It's uh, probably one of the more well-shot films I've seen this year as well. Um, Has a great look when the red lights come come in um absolutely great and then we will talk more about this in the awards but shout out to our little alien buddy sputnik who is terrifying yet also adorable we will get more into sputnik a little bit more when it gets to awards time but um shout out to sputnik i really enjoyed it um i i'm attracted to there's something about the imagery of astronauts being put in like horror situations that just like is always very striking to me. Like when I see blood on a on a space helmet, you know, I'm like, I'm in. I'm in. Yes. Absolutely. I I love Sputnik too, man. This was, <clears throat> you know, almost on my list as well. Like I said, it's really hard for me to narrow down because there's there's a lot of these movies that I liked. But Sputnik is was gonna be uh it is on my honorable mentions list. I, I thought the performances were great. The story was intriguing and, and different than what I thought it was going to be. Just like you said, I loved the whole symbiotic relationship, symbi- sorry, symbiotic relationship between the alien and Constantine. I think that was the, the guy's yeah. main name. Mm-hmm. Um, it was just, it was interesting that it sort of took on some traits of the human and no, it wasn't some just big, kick-ass gore fest which i thought is going to be more gory you know with lots of jump scares and and stuff but it was just it was such a cool movie to see and um i love the set the setting was so awesome and i i remember looking into this because i reviewed this one for my channel and it's um it's uh it was shot in moscow at a biochemistry institute that was built in the 50s and you can just tell that's that's what it was I mean, I'm sure they could have done it on a soundstage, but the fact that they actually they filmed it there at that biochemistry institute makes it so much cooler. You know, there was nothing warm about it. It was lots of concrete, hard halogen lighting. Um, I just thought it was a great uh, set as well. Yeah, um, very great production design. Um, you know, when you kind of learn like the geography of like the station and like where the doors lead and when they get to the feeding area. Um, mm-hmm. and so much, uh, so much interesting stuff going on for Sputnik. So what is, uh, your number six film? Yeah. Okay. So my number six film, uh, of the year for me was a Korean film called Metamorphosis. Um, and I saw it on shutter and I'm a sucker for, if I see, th- if I see anything with religious imagery, demons, possessions, haunting something. I'm in, I'm going to watch it right away. And Koreans, I just, the, the Korean, um, I don't want to say the Korean, sorry. <laughs> uh, <laughs> no, they know their stuff though. No, I know where, I know where you're getting. I know, but, okay. sorry. 
I can start that over. Does that sound really weird when I say the Koreans are really good at horror? Is no. that fine? No, because I mean it's it's not weird if it's a fact. I mean they yeah. are they are good at what they do, and I totally get what you mean because like certain countries kind of have their own specific horror aesthetics that they lean to. So I I, I get where you're getting at. Right, and uh, so I love this movie. Um, it follows. Uh, a couple and, and their three kids as they move into a new home. Um, they're kind of leaving their old community in the dust after, I think it was the dad's brother who was a priest. He botches an exorcism and leaves a child dead. So this family moves in a new home to start this, this brand new life. But, you know, there's some bizarre and terrifying things that start happening to the family. And you know what? It looks like the, the old devil infiltrated the home and possessed one of the members so, um, but what's, what's really cool about this is it's kind of like a modern take on a possession film. This, this, you know, this, it's like a shape shifting thing. You don't know who's possessed or, or, um, who's evil, who's good. I just thought, uh, it was, had some very eerie moments and kind of a, a guessing game. It was, it was, it was a very good, like I said, a modern take on an exorcism film that I, I really enjoyed. Oh, I mean, I love me some exorcism films because I got a couple of them on my list. Um, I did not get to Metamorphosis, but it's it was it's on my watch list though. Um, yeah, because I love like it, like it's in like my like top five subgenres. Like I love possession films, just like in general. I don't know what it is. I it's like I I it's like I love the formula, but then <laughs> I also love it when films disrupt the formula as well. But speaking of, um, speaking of possession films, I do have one next for my number five. And I was, I literally was like going back and forth between my five and four. I was like almost going to switch them. But so my number five, I'm going with anything for Jackson. Um, actually just watched this today. Um, so it snuck onto the, snuck onto the list here. I really dug this film quite a bit. Um, again, this is like kind of a reverse exorcism film where you're following this elderly couple who um, are trying to resurrect their dead grandson after a series of tragedies. And um, they do this by getting into Satanism and they are going to um, possess this uh, pregnant woman, her unborn child with their dead child, Jackson, um, as they have made a deal with the devil and some other demons and they got their creepy um occult satanist friend to help them out um it, just a really great rounded cast of characters um also the the uh the uh Shannon the woman that gets kidnapped also fantastic as well the the film hinges on all these great performances that you have from Sheila McCarthy and Julian Richings as Audrey and Henry cuz you just really believe their um chemistry as like this older couple that has been you know they they love each other they have been you know you can tell they've been together for a long time you can tell there's some interesting power dynamics going on but they've been just struck with all this grief and then they feel like just like these regular warm people. But then because they're so casual about the fact that they like just got into Satan worshiping, you know, and they are, you know, so it's funny them navigating the situation. Like I find this darkly funny. Like, I don't know if a lot of other people found this movie as funny as I did, but it's like, you know, these old people, they're just like trying to, 
like how an old person is like going to ask you for help with like their computer and stuff, you know, like they're just like kind of like, oh, you know, I'm kind of trying to figure it out. Like, oh, I can't read this clipping in the book without my glasses, like, you know, just like silly stuff like that. <laughs> so it, it added this um interesting tone to the film, but it's also just it's very creepy and sinister. We get some, um, we get, you know, two, um, separate interesting, um, you know, uh, exorcism scenes. And, um, you know, in between we get all these, um, set pieces with ghosts that they're seeing around the house, um, as a result of, you know, what they're doing. And then they, you know, the elderly couple are starting to doubt what they're doing. And it's just this very interesting character, uh, story mixed in with a very fun, possession haunted house film because i mean these scare sequences are like so great i got some more to talk about in the award section but um anything for jackson is fantastic um you guys can watch it on shutter a really great film um yeah love me some love me a good possession film i just i like i love this film too um i i just watched it two nights ago and i thought it was i mean it's it's one of my you know, favorites that I've seen on shutter on the shutter platform. I really loved it. Um, I, like you said, I love that the Audrey and Henry, I think, is it the older couple, mm. how they just look like two everyday normal people. Well, he kind of looks a little sinister, a little creepy, but they're just look like this sweet older couple, but you don't, you have no idea they're like Satanists and they're about to do this unthinkable thing. So their performances were absolutely great. I also loved, I mean, I laughed, I think I laughed more at the Satanist guy kind of that, that they brought in. Um, I don't want to spoil too much about the movie, but the dude with the red hair, like the Satan guy that was going to yeah. do the ritual with them. Their, their buddy Ian I, from the, from their casual Satan worshiping group. <laughs> yeah, it was I was kind of laughing at that dude. I, I love it. Um, what was cool was it's uh, I always, that's actually going to be my next review on my channel. I always look into, I was like, I'm always curious about where they film it and how they film and stuff like this. But so this, the movie only cost $250,000 to make. Oh, wow. And they pitched the movie, sold it within like five minutes and they started pre-production the next morning <laughs> and the house that that's filmed at that's the writer's home that's the writer's house the screenwriter of the movie i love it i love this you know i saved a bunch of money on production costs just by filming it at his house i mean bootstrap filmmaking at its best i absolutely uh love those kind of stories yeah whenever they just like film at their place it just like kind of comes together i mean that's yeah that's a really tight budget and i mean for what they pulled off because i mean everything was practical they used yeah. like all practical effects for everything um, except for like a few visual uh, effects sequences here and there, but like it's everything's very tangible. Um, it's it, it's a very good film. Like I just I just watched it today. I like didn't even have it on my watch list up until like last week. I saw a bunch of people start talking about it. I was like, okay, I'm gonna throw it on the list. I love me a possession movie, and uh, this one is it's it's like yeah. it's it's quietly metal as well. There's some great fucking imagery in in this film like i have to i have to mention the the reverse cross blood print like footsteps by homeboy towards the end oh like, that was so that was so good that's so i mean it's cool yeah. it, that is some cool as fuck so um yeah shout out to anything for jackson um what is uh up next on your list my man uh number five this might come to a little bit of a surprise um 
I think, especially for me, since I don't really usually go for like the bigger blockbuster type of uh, movies that are like horror, even though this one I think is more of like a thriller. I put Invisible Man as a, as number five. Um, and I can tell you why. And it's mainly because I love my boy, Lee Winnell. I love that guy, Australian screenwriter. You probably know him from the, the Insidious films and um, oh yeah and saw and you know dead silence like his it's upgrade it's his way it's his way that he does his storytelling i just call him like the master of tension i feel like he can put some actors in a room and really create something magical really tense um and especially with a great actress like elizabeth moss and um i know that most people probably know the storyline but it's like you know elizabeth moss is is dating an abusive boyfriend who's a genius in optics who has you know created this invisible suit that you can wear and you become invisible so she's just trying to escape him and that abusive life that you know that they've had and she escapes the middle of the night and but you know he's after her says that you know she finds out he he dies but you know is he really dead because shit starts happening to her you know she's getting um stalked in in a home that she's staying in and it's uh i just thought that the and that's an, uh, also the score of this movie i really enjoyed i don't know if you enjoyed the score of this one but uh i just thought that um i think if lee if anyone else wrote it maybe i wouldn't have enjoyed it as much but i i swear that lee put his heart and soul into this one and i think it it really he executed it well yeah, I mean, uh, Lee Winnell is really good at the horror stuff. Um, he does have a rather impressive resume. Absolutely loved his directorial debut. Upgrade um, was one of my favorite. I think it was, or no, it wasn't my number one film of that year, but it was pretty. It was pretty high. It was my number one horror film of the of that year. I do know that. And um, I was a little bit hard on the yeah. Invisible Man whenever I saw it because everybody was you know hyping it up pretty big, and I was excited because this was his second feature. I was a little tough on it the first time I watched it and then going back I kind of had a little more appreciation for it. I still don't love it but on a technical level it's absolutely um, fantastic like his um, production value that he gets on his film working within the Blumhouse um, system um, he's fantastic at it because uh, that's what he's been doing his entire career anyways um and then elizabeth moss absolutely great that opening intro i love me a good cold open that cold open is uh top notch it's i love the cold open too it's great i love it like that like you want to establish a tone and a character you know story for a movie like that's textbook stuff right there um, and I also love, you know, that it was able to deliver. It's also like more bigger, more important message in a, you know, entertaining way, but then also in a way that wasn't, um, you know, beating you over the head either. Like, um, you know, as I got into with Black Christmas 2019 on last week's episode, um, <laughs> this movie definitely um, tied the the like situation into the um into the story like so smoothly you know this allegory for trying to get out of a you know dangerous toxic relationship um so i, I i've appreciated it a little bit more going back but yeah i just uh i didn't love it the the way that a lot of other people did 
So Invisible Invisible Man, it's it's also funny because it's you know, that came out so early in the year and it feels like it came out in twenty nineteen. Like it doesn't feel like a twenty twenty movie. And I'm like, Oh yeah, that was because it was like one of the first ones uh, to come out earlier in the year. So for my number four, um we already shouted it out. So my number four, because we are sticking with the exorcism themes, is uh the cleansing hour. It's my number four movie of the year. Man, I had so much fun watching this. Like, this is, we, like, because, again, I love exorcism movies, but, I mean, the vast majority of them are serious and dour and bleak, you know. This is a fun exorcism movie. We don't have many of those. And, yeah, like, you know, it might come off a little hokey to some people at times. Is the character work as good as you want it to be? No. But you know what? One, I love um, the, you know, uh, the live stream found footage angle that they used to it because I think they were able to do some fun stuff with it, but it also wasn't a gimmick. It was very integral to the story itself as well. So um, you always have that good reasoning. And then, but the um, relationship between Max and his producer, the two main protagonists, is very believable. Um, I actually do believe like their relationship and, um, you know, the way that's panning out, and, um, this, this movie just has so much, um, audacity, though, like, that's, that's the big selling point to this movie, like, you don't come here for the performances, except in one, there is one exception for the performances, we'll get into that when the awards section comes, but, um, this movie, it's just, it's balls to the wall, like, any idea that they had for this movie, they were just like, yeah, put it in, like, let's put this in, like, you know, like, and then when you get to the end, when it's just like, oh, this is where you guys were trying to get to, and like, oh my goodness, like, it just, (laughs) it goes to, it goes to some places, um, I won't ruin this movie, because I do want more people to watch it, so I won't spoil too much of it, but, Um, it's, um, a, like I said, a unique twist on the possession film, but they did it without it being, it wasn't like a gimmick. It was like the found footage was for the movie. It worked and it's one of the best, um, possessed persons performances that I've ever seen. So we'll get into that a little bit more into the award section. Um, did you have anything else you want to add on to, uh, the cleansing hour? Um, the more I think about it, the more I'm mad. It's not in my top six, actually. Um, there's probably one I can move off of it, but you know, it's too late. (laughs) This one probably would have been my number four or five. I love the cleansing hour. Um, like you said, I love the whole found footage live stream thing. I loved that this movie, you know, it had some, I'm sorry, a car just drove by. You're good. Um, this movie had some, uh, cheese to it but i think it didn't take itself too serious like you just you could sit back and have some fun and you know the the father max or whatever that guy's name is the priest he's just he's just one big eye roll dude he's like he thinks he's the shit you know he he peddles his merch on this like live stream show like get your towel straight from the vatican and the holy water it's hilarious i was laughing and just shaking my head the whole time man it's such a fun movie and it's like yeah the relationship between him and the producer is great i love that they're in this like 
they're in this controlled environment. They can control everything. They it's, you know, it's, it's an, they have actors, they have the producer that can make something fly off a shelf or have smoke come off the chair. If he wants, everything is controlled. And I love that once the possession starts, all that shit goes out the window and now someone else is in control. And I think that's such a cool, uh, when when it moves to to that to when the demon is kind of in control of things it's a cool move so i really enjoyed the movie yeah and like in and once um they get to like the actual live stream and like the the possession starts and like you know this demon takes over um the the live stream i love that it adds to this ticking clock and then it's like the pace does not stop from there and like i absolutely love that the pace doesn't stop from there and we don't really leave that room, the, the, the set that they're filming on, we don't really leave that for the rest of the movie. So it's like, I love how contained they kept it in, but I mean, they pack so much chaos into this little room. Like, oh my God, it's just so great. And then like to not spoil, but vaguely spoil-ish, that there is like, there's the big twist, you know? which is like, okay, that was real fun. Like, all right, cool. But then there's like, right after that, there's like one last like kind of twist where I, I like a movie where a character makes a, a very dangerous decision, but then gets what they want after going through hell. That's what, what I'll say. You know what I'm talking about, but that's, I think vague enough to where it's not too big of a spoiler for people. Um, so yeah, cleansing hour, fantastic movie. Um, what is your number four? Uh, my number four is, uh, the movie host. Um, I really, this was kind of like a smash hit on shutter, uh, this year. It's, I think I liked, I liked the storyline and even just how the movie came about. Um, it's, it's about uh, short and simple. It's just about six friends who hop on a zoom call together with a medium to hold a seance in, you know, in hopes of contacting the dead. It's uh, it's, it's shot during the pandemic and it's even, you know, obvious that it's in the pandemic as well, like when they're shooting it. So it's like, you know, things, things go wrong when uh, you're doing a seance <laughs> with everyone. Um, I just thought that it was a uh, spooky, but harmless fun thing kind of turns into a dark nightmare where our, you know, our characters basically pissed off an entity and one they can't even see. So it's love that all of the actors were friends in real life Mm -hmm. and you could kind of see it Mm -hmm. in, in their acting. Like they would just kind of banter and talk to one another. It's like, it's like there wasn't even a script. And what's, what's great about the movie too is, is the, is the experience, the whole experience. And I think the best way to watch this is on a laptop with your headphones in the dark, because it's almost like you are, in there with them you're interacting with them you're on the zoom call with them and so it, you get a little bit freaked out when something pops in the background or they go investigate a noise um i just thought that it was very very authentic and the fact that they edited everything in just 12 short weeks that's it's amazing that they got all that done um it's just a it was it was a really fun film for me yeah, I mean, I would say this is host was is arguably probably like the biggest horror hit of the year, just because so many people were able to watch it. Um, it caught at just the perfect time, you know, because this was 
this came out before like you know major films were resuming their filming so it's like this was like one of the first films to come out that was filmed and edited and everything done you know during the the quarantine period I mean they had to send their actors you know special effects kits to apply themselves to have for like certain shots like stuff like that like it's a super yeah interesting story on how the film came about and the film itself I mean it's fun I I definitely enjoyed it um I did exactly as you said like I watched it in the dark on my laptop I put headphones on and like it it's uh you all it is is 56 minutes of a, of spooky like that's what you get it's this is no character study there's no big message here this is an hour of right. spooky fun nonsense of spooky nonsense and i love spooky nonsense mm-hmm. um it has some great scares in it like some of uh, they are there are some very well set up scare sequences of course there are some jump scares but all of the jump scares even are pretty good for the most part. There's like a couple lame ones, but for the most part though, like it's just, this is a little lean, mean, um, you know, spooky machine and and it's a good time. Um, so yeah, shout out to host for sure. Um, so onto, we're in the top half of our list now. This is my number three pick. And, um, this was, this came out earlier in the year two. So this was kind of a big hit because it was a Netflix film. So a lot of people were watching it. It was especially in the time when in those first couple of months of quarantine. So like everybody got to watch this film and that would be the platform that came out, um, earlier this year. It's a, um, Spanish film that they put onto Netflix and, um, it's kind of like the cube meets Snowpiercer. Um, you have, um, it's, um, you know, a class thriller, social class thriller that you, um, have this, this containment center, um, of prisoners and volunteers that go into this weird place and it's floor by floor and each floor has two people on it and there's a middle, there's a hole in the middle and this floating platform comes down with, with food on it. And it's like, if you're at the top, you get to, you know, the first pick on everything, you have more food to eat. And then as it goes down, there's less food for people. You can probably imagine what the message is for this film. Um, It's definitely not super subtle, but what it is, is it flows through like subgenres so well and has this like perfectly like elevated slow burn pace to it. Like, you know, you start off spending just a lot of times with these characters and it's kind of more psychological with stuff like, you know, the, the hunger getting to their head and, you know, these questions and conversations and morality. And then it just like, you know, kind of keeps building as our, as you kind of this protagonist, his, you know, emotions kind of keep growing inside and he's ready to unleash them. And then once, once the, the mayhem starts, then it's like it turns into this like the last 30 minutes is this like super violent video game almost and um great great performances i'm not even going to <laughs> attempt to pronounce any of the actors names they all have pretty hard spanish names um but we have a uh, great lead performances by like our main protagonist um his first um cellmate is uh i'd say a crowd favorite um this year a lot of people loved him um, what was his, what was his catchphrase? Um, 
fucking he had a he had a catchphrase it was it was a one word thing god what did he say all the time i can't remember now but he had a he had a sick catchphrase he was uh, this funny little like grumpy old man but um the platform also it just looks great like it like it's a very minimalist set but what they do with it and the way that they shoot certain things and use certain colors and use shadows and you know there's no windows and like that starts to fuck with you like in the film um it's just a it's it's just really good i love movies of people kind of being trapped in these unknown circumstances they don't know why but in this case like he kind is because our main our protagonist is a volunteer so he like he knew what he was getting into but he didn't know what he was getting into and that turns into this um you know slightly dystopian survival flick um did you catch the platform i did catch it and that one you know what's funny i forgot about it until you mentioned it here and i really enjoyed it too i thought that was an awesome film um i saw it once i'm trying to remember because it was earlier this year so i'm trying to think of like i mean you hit on the head it was just i don't have much to add to it but um yeah i loved it the set was just so cool i loved that the you they didn't know what platform or what level they're going to wake up on and wondering okay what's at the bottom of this thing how um, many how is floors he get the hell out of like here? yeah yeah and it's like you know the whole social commentary too and it's snobs that are like you know every man for themselves or you know you could work together to, to beat this thing but some people are too just you know snobby about it it's uh it was a it was a great movie i i need to rewatch that one it was it was cool though huh we could people that could overcome a problem if they weren't so selfish does that sound familiar yeah come on <laughs> Uh, where are your goddamn masks you sons of bitches (laughs) it's it's simple guys it's simple it is so simple um uh, before we get too riled up what's your uh number three pick johnny oh shit i got riled up i lost my list man i i I threw it on the ground in anger there there Um, has been um quite a few like movies that came in that probably were not intended to be as topical as they were and then also you know just like kind of hit at this weird you know social zeitgeist that we're at right now like in this big cultural moment like so so weird how certain movies like just kind of hit you know like that yes um absolutely my my number three i love this movie and it's um it was i keep saying that i loved this movie it's just fucking true i love horror movies okay leave me alone but uh, this one I really enjoyed. My number three, VFW. Um, Ooh, this was I missed that one. You liked it? No, I missed it. Oh man, this one is so cool. It's it's I actually just rewatched it a couple nights ago because I saw that Shutter picked it up. Um, I think it was a, a Fangoria release earlier this year. Yep. Just, I mean, the cast alone is fantastic. You have. Um, I think his uh, name is who was it? Oh, Stephen, Stephen Lang. Lang. I mean, the guy is awesome. From if and you probably recognize him, like Don't Breathe, but like lots of other movies too. Martin Cove from like Karate Kid. You know, he's he's awesome. You you have all these kind of guys from the '80s that were in action movies. You you put them all together in this. <clears throat> well, the storyline is kind of like 
you have this VFW dive bar. It's, a, it's you know, it's, it's a local watering hole for the vets to go to. Stephen Lang is the head bartender. And across the street, you have these punks. It looks like a, a dystopian world. Like these punks are hanging out in this building. And uh, it's, it's just a building. I think they're like drug runners and stuff. A new drug has hit the streets that's like massive and taking over this part of town. It's turning really shitty. And um, one of the people steals a bag, a huge bag of the drugs and runs over to the VFW. The people, the these older guys, the VFW are, are protecting this girl with all the drugs because all these guys, these cracked out people want to kill her. So now it turns into these guys that are old war vets defending this dive bar watering hole. You know, it's just a shithole, but it's theirs. It's, it's awesome. And what I love about this film is... You know, we, we'll talk about it more um, probably in the in the bloodies, but I love the director, Joe Begas. I think he's awesome. He did the movie Bliss as well. Mm. Um, the, the camaraderie between all the actors and them, the banter that they do at the beginning, you can just tell that they're, it seems like they're real. They're old war buddies and they're um, just talking shit. They're badasses. You know, they're really inappropriate saying inappropriate shit um, because, it's, you know, it's just the guys. They're just talking shit. So, and it's just, it's a big gore, big fun gore fest, you know, like there's so many great kills and unique weapons that they use to kill people. You know, you got them, you know, breaking off uh, bar stools and putting nails in them to kill people and like putting matchsticks and tennis balls and use them as little bombs or something. It's just, it's a great fun, gory film with a great, uh, a great cast. So I really love that one. That one was my number three. Yeah, I definitely wanted to check it out because, yeah, I love, um, you know, Stephen Lang getting to do some more genre stuff. And uh, Bliss, I enjoyed, um, you know, that director, his uh, filmmaking style. Um, he definitely has a, a flair to him. Um, so interesting that he had, you know, two movies kind of come out super close to, to each other that um, people really seem to love. So definitely going to be checking out VFW here pretty soon. Um, for my number two film, man, I mean, it was, it was hard going back and forth between my one and two because this, this number two film, I loved it so much. I had so much fun. I, I can't wait to like, this is a movie I'm going to show so many people. I'm kind of surprised it didn't catch on bigger because it has, you know, this, um, technology, social media angle to it. And it is also a, uh, found footage film. So, shocker there that I have this ranked pretty high. And that is Spree, directed by Eugene Kotlarenko. Um, Man, this movie is so much fun. Like, I just can't stress that enough, but it's also, like, crazy and sad, too. Like, when you see, like, the accuracy that it has to... Um, the younger generations of like, you know, what they're kind of doing as far as people wanting to be famous, but also like yearning to connect like people that can't connect, though, without this social media angle. So the movie is basically like it's like American Psycho meets um, uh, Ingrid Goes West. It, um and but a lot funnier though um you have um joe keery from stranger things um is our protagonist kurt 
and they had an epic marketing uh, campaign for this film um, where Joe, like, they made an Instagram for his character, and they made a YouTube channel, and they filmed all these YouTube videos of him, like, actual, of, like, stuff that is, like, on Kurt's channel, and, like, his, like, Instagram stuff, and, like, that's how I found the film, was I just stumbled across, I was like, I was like, is that Joe Curie? I was like, what is, what's Kurt's world? Um, so it had this killer marketing campaign and it is just like, so this guy, he wants to do this epic live stream. Um, and he's a rideshare driver and he, you know, he's been doing this YouTube stuff. He has no audience. He's trying so hard to be a social media influencer. And, um, so he decides he's going to do this live stream where he's going to try and kill as many people on the rideshare app as he can. And it, once we take off on this ride, there is no stopping it. Um, you are not getting to your destination. No refunds. It is. Um, we have some great gory kills. Um, it's just really like funny. It's like the cringe is like so like makes you so uncomfortable that it like adds to like kind of the horror of it all. Cause like you're just like also like, oh my god, like this is such like an uncomfortable situation. On top of it being like I'm also dealing with like a violent psychopath. Um. Uh, I will get into Joe Keery's performance, um, here shortly, but, um, he's absolutely fantastic, 100% committed, um, and they shot it around LA, so it's like, I see all these references, you know, that's always fun, I love me, just like a really fun, crazy night in LA film as well, um, like, I just, I'm, like, again, I'm really surprised people didn't catch on more, because, like, the horror and comedy blends super well, and it's also very relatable to like, this is, this is, you can tell it's made by somebody that is like of, you know, probably the millennial generation, like maybe on the upper end, but they understand how technology and social media actually works and how people like talk and interact. Like it's all very pretty accurate. Um, so I absolutely love this movie. It is just so fucking fun like probably the most fun movie I had that I watched this year like of just having a pure good time watching it unfold like it kept me guessing it's just a great time uh did you catch spree I did catch spree and like it was again it was a lot of fun I love this one it was uh you know what shit I keep saying that every fucking time yes I did catch spree it was a great film I had a lot of fun with it uh it uh I love the the whole ride share and he's he's streaming live the whole time and just his obsession with it's kind of like reminds me of Father Max, his obsession, obsession with growing and like becoming a social media influencer and he'll do anything to get it and his anything to get it, you know, it keeps growing the stakes get higher and he's just doing these ridiculous things. I love the the kills that he does, but what's what's great about him is when he's doing these terrible things, his face is just a smile. It doesn't seem to bother him at all. Um, you know, that he's taking lives. It's just, you know, and it's just, I like the comedy aspect. He got freaking, wasn't David Arquette, his dad. Yeah. Yeah. And David Arquette plays his whole junkie DJ dad. Uh, Yeah. It's kind of like a junkie DJ. They go to this shitty bar and, um, yeah, I thought that was great. Uh, like I said, like you said, I just I had a lot of fun with it. Yeah, I mean, it, it, yeah, it's hard to not say like a lot of the movies we've been watching are fun, but like 
you you know what I mean when we talk like horror fun. Like there's like it's people that aren't big into horror don't understand as much whenever I'm like, you know, it's a really fun horror movie where like these like this guy is just killing people like crazy, but it's so fun and they're like, What do you mean? Um and it yeah, and it, it just really is I, though. I, I get you though. Yeah, but yep. it it just it just really is. It's it's such a good time. Um, but I will have a couple more things to say about Spree when we get to the bloodies. But we are at my number one. Um, my number one movie of, um, twenty twenty, and it looks like we both had completely different lists, which is uh pretty interesting. We um we didn't share any of them, which is nice though. We have two very diverse lists. My number two, and I think I've told you this before, I, my favorite type, I love the fun horror films. Like you said, I think we're on the same page a lot with, you know, the cleansing hour and those in spree and those really just fun fucking horror movies. You sit back and you're, you have a smile on your face, even though people are getting ground ground up or, you know, you know, sit, hit with a car or something, just fun stuff like that. Um, but I also, I'm a sick son of a bitch. And my favorite type of horror films are the truly kind of gut-wrenching, slow burn, disturbing movies that kind of strike a chord with me somehow. Like maybe I feel like, ooh, did I just feel disturbed for a second? Because I feel like nothing disturbs me. Nothing, zero. Mm -hmm. I don't get scared. I don't, you know, anything like that. So when a movie kind of, moves me in that direction where I'm like, wow, that was like, that, wow, did I get disturbed a little bit there for a second? You know, I know that I really enjoyed it. So my number two is uh, The Lodge. And that's, I know it's, that came out earlier this year. Like, I think that was a January, February, February, February release. Um, That one was just, it was just the sense of dread and you know no hope for anybody it's it's uh that really kind of struck a chord for me um it, it's about uh this woman who goes to a i think a, a retreat or a like a house kind of an, ex, an excluded house with um her new boyfriend and his two kids but the dad has to leave to go to work so she's kind of stuck in this remote home in the in the winter surrounded by snow with these two kids and she's trying to get in good with them because you know it's like i think she's going to get engaged to the dad she wants to spend time with the children but what people what they come to find out is that she was in this weird religious cult and it fucked her up and so she's on meds and once you know she i think she goes off of her meds uh, things take a really bad turn. I don't want to spoil the big twist in this movie, but uh, like I said, it just the sense of dread, the slow burn, the um, unhappy <laughs> ending. I just, I, it, it's, it was, it really struck something with me. Yeah, I had, I had a, I had very interesting feelings about the lodge. Um, Cause it's like, I'm, yeah, I'm right there with you. I love me a good, just like really bleak dour. I knew going in, it was going to be really bleak and dour and, um, it's very cold. You know, this is a wintry film as well. And, um, but you like feel it as well. It's yeah. just like emotionally cold. 
it's a uncomfortable situation and um i think the film works so well in the like the mystery is great i love the lead performances as well um and you know the the geography of this house like as you kind of learn this like kind of crazy house and the sound design in it um so much of that is all really great and then like i was trying to like kind of figure out where it was going to go with like the mystery and uh i mean i guess i i can't say it without spoiling so i i wish i oh, i really thought i really wish they were well it, it's not even a plot twist the tone twist i guess um because i i thought they were going somewhere with the tone and subgenre and then where it ended up going was is a crazy reveal but at the same time it it also just felt like I like bleak movies, but this one also felt like maybe a little too mean spirited for me. That's like, why I loved it. That was, I'm a, I told you I'm a, I'm a son of a bitch. Dude. I mean, yeah. You, like, like, yeah, we're both, we're both pretty I'm fucked up. I'm a terrible human being. <laughs> and you might edge me out here. Yeah. We're both pretty fucked up, but cause I like, if, yeah, I got to the end, I was like, I was like, man, I go, I go, it, it, it like had me questioning like film, like cinematically. I was like, was that earned or was that just mean? That's more where my dilemma was, you know, and and I'm split on it. But at the same time, I very much enjoyed my viewing experience of it. It's a very fun. It, it, it It's not a fun. This isn't a fun movie. But if you're fucked up like us, it's a fun ex- viewing experience. But no going in that it's you're going to leave pretty sad about it <laughs> but but great movie though um uh, the the lodge is also available on hulu right now to to watch if you have not seen it yet mm-hmm. um so my number one i saw this pretty early in the year but it just it's never left my brain it's um a movie when people ask for suggestions i tell them to watch it it's just uh, it, it stuck with me this entire year um, and this one might not even be, you know, this is one of those ones that people would argue is not a pure horror film. Um, I mean, this really is even more of a thriller, but you guys know how I play on this podcast. I don't believe in that shit. This is still a horror movie in my eyes. Um, is Swallow, directed by Carlo Mirabella Davis. Um, man, I love this movie. It is so my aesthetic, like is so my shit. I love, I love a movie with great lavish production design. This is a primarily all in the daytime for the most part, so it's like it's very bright. It has that, um, it has that like that perfect that perfect suburban glow. But it's, like, also that glow that you, like, see in, like, 70s horror movies, which I totally love. Um, just the the look of this movie is immaculate, and the cinematography is so good. I'll talk more on the cinematography and the bloodies. But this movie follows a suburban housewife. Um, she is newly married. She is also newly pregnant. And she um, married um, someone who is um, very successful and you know, above her as far as like social class standings go. So she's feeling a lot of things because now she is, um, he doesn't want her to work anymore. He's like, you're just gonna be a stay at home suburban mom. You're going to have the baby. It's going to be great. This is your new life now. 
And um, she is having uh, trouble adjusting to this. And um, so the only way that she can cope is she starts to swallow inanimate objects in um in an effort to um in an effort to feel something and the movie is fueled by um a powerhouse performance by Haley Bennett as our protagonist Hunter um she is i mean she is on the screen pretty much the entire film i think this is like one of those movies where she does not leave the screen like she we are in her world and the movie um, it does just so such simple things with its um, filmmaking techniques to kind of put you in her headspace. Um, you kind of because everything just feels too perfect, so it feels slightly off. And um, that has great use of color of the way that they film these scenes because it sounds like it's gonna be something super graphic. And there definitely are some um, very uncomfortable scenes to watch. Um, in terms to, you know, what's going on. But at the same time, they came up with uh, unique ways to kind of switch things up and you're not just, you know, watching somebody swallow a bunch of stuff for the entire movie. Um, great score to it as well. Um, the the um, supporting performances, um, when Dennis O'Hare comes in at the end of the movie, and man, this fucking... Because I did not know where this movie was going to go at the end, but oh my gosh, one of the most powerful scenes I've seen in the past five years, like, because, I mean, it's planted there, it's not like it comes out of nowhere, but it's just like you didn't think that this is where it was going to end up, and man, what a fucking powerful scene, so well acted by, um, by Haley Bennett and Dennis O'Hare, um, Please check out this movie. I don't want to spoil it for you. I believe it's on Hulu right now um, that you can watch it. But um, definitely check out Swallow. It is. It has been at my number one position for pretty much since I've seen it. And I think I watched this like back in March, maybe. So it is claimed that top spot for a pretty long time. Um, Spree was really close. I, I just had a couple issues with Spree. But Swallow just like it enamored me like wow what a film um did you check out swallow i did and it was <clears throat> i find it be one of my favorites of the year i mean i know i have said i have so many damn favorites that's why this fucking list is impossible to do because i love swallow too um like, <laughs> that's what I, she I, said <laughs> <laughs> got him we're having fun we're having fun people <laughs> um yeah uh I, I remember when I did my review for this film, I kind of had, I can't kind of had this like tagline in my head that I made up in, cause I thought about this movie and I just thought I had this tagline that's like perfection is horror. And because I know people said that, you know, it's not really a horror film, but it really is like all this shit that, that our protagonist had to go through and having to be someone she doesn't want to be and not be in control of your life. And you're just going through the motions and you have a, you have a husband that's just wants you to be a certain way. His family wants you to be a certain way. You have to dress a certain way, act a certain way in front of his friends. You know, it's, um, and everything in their home. Like I love the cinematography of this movie. Nothing was out of place. Like everything was so perfect and she had the perfect little baby doll dresses and her hair was perfect and it was 
it was almost too perfect where it was disturbing. It's like, this isn't real life. This, this aesthetic that she's in is impossible to live in. It's like, nothing is askew. Everything is just so like picture perfect. And I think that is horror, like to mm -hmm. live like that, to have to have these expectations, these impossible expectations to live through is horrific. And I think that, that for me was um, part of why I would consider this a horror film. Oh yeah, for sure. Like this isn't a super strong in the visual horror category. Like this is a deeply psychological horror film, like deeply. Like I can only imagine watching yep. this as a woman or a man that could be in that situation. I bet it's on like to, you know, hitting a very specific, you know, uh, audience of people. I, I'm sure this would be like the scariest film of their life to watch. But like me even feeling that personally, just like, cause like, yeah, I just like felt like, cause then you're like, as you're watching and like, yeah, everything's so perfect. And you're like watching her. And then you're just like, you, you, you start to feel as detached as she, as she is. And it's just the way you kind of lose yourself into the film um, is very like seamless and like hypnotic but then at the same time it's just like kind of like deeply disturbing as well like when you just like it's like one it's a movie the horror also hits you like way harder after you've finished watching it like when you're watching it it doesn't feel that intense but then it's like it sits with you and lingers with you and like a week later then i'm thinking about like oh my god mm -hmm. like fuck like that is just so like oh my gosh so, um, my favorite horror movie of the year, my favorite movie of the year in general as well, um, it's, it's just absolutely killer. So, now I am so excited to hear what your number one pick is. Um, I might have messed this up, dude. I might have messed up my number two with my number one. <laughs> so, you're saying The Lodge is your number one? I think so, yeah. Hey. I fucked it up on the list. Hey, it's okay. We make realizations on the show all the time. It happens. But now, because I, I, like, I was literally about to flip two of mine as we were doing it too, and then I was like, ah, 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 because I think I might like anything for Jackson a smidge more than the cleansing hour, but I, I just went ahead yeah. with the way that I ranked them. So I'm there with you. So, but um, so you did love the lodge. So what was the what was the other one that you did love though? We we can say your top two are one A and one B. What is um one uh your other number one? Okay, well, this is very odd, folks, because I just watched I believe for one about three hours ago. Uh, I really really enjoyed seeing. Like I said, I'm a dark twisted son of a bitch. And I really loved The Dark and The Wicked that I just rented just a few hours ago. And, you know, it's December and it's it's weird that that was just probably my number one movie because, you know, again, I loved the whole sense of dread from the beginning. You know, you have this, this sick old man. It's cold and gray. There's not a smile around. Um, I love the whole, you know, there's there's a demonic aspect surrounding everyone in this film. I love the the misdirect of scares. You know, there's not it's not just a, a movie that's full of jump scares. Um, you don't expect something to pop up 
but when it does, they kind of sneak it in there and it's not like this big pop and they use a, they use a loud noise or something. It's just like something that sneaks in there. Um, I love the whole, the, like there's a mystery unraveling of the story. Uh, like, um, you know, there's, there's a diary that they find that they're trying to figure out why um, something happened to somebody. Um, it was just extremely eerie to me with some unique scares. And whenever you throw in, you know, the devil or a demon, something I'm all for this film. And like I said, I think when all these top movies, like I might have to think about them again, but it's, it's just whatever strikes a chord in me, you know, it's like whatever I feel emotionally tied to, I'm going to say that's one of my favorites. So I'll say that my number one is the dark and the wicked. That was another one that was like pretty high on my watch list that I wanted to squeeze in before we recorded, but I just didn't get to it Um, Mm -hmm. because it's a film. I really don't know too much about it, but um, I'm all for, yeah, I definitely do like me some uh, bleak, uh, some real dark bleak shit. I would say that would probably be like um, my, my blind spot of, um, of my like entire 2020 list is I didn't watch anything that was like too particularly dark and like you know like just like I would say the lodge is definitely like the like it, it may be in Pedagore and Pedagore is also pretty just like fucked up and dark that one was so crazy that one I, I didn't know what to think about it after I watched it I'm just like what the fuck like I remember just sitting there, like I can't, I mean, I'm like, did I enjoy that one? And I was like, wow. I came out of Impetigore with like a scrunched up face. I was like, mm. I went, mm. how did, how was that one? But um, so, um, the the Dark and Wicked, and I also saw like somebody. It was like a really funny like uh tweet chain, and like somebody like was like talking about how they didn't enjoy um the Dark and the Wicked all too much, and like basically their tweet like was like saying like it was too dark and like like too bleak and then somebody goes wow it's almost as if you watch something called the dark and the wicked and i was just like i do like a good <laughs> i do like a, a movie title that just like is telling you exactly what's going on <laughs> and they're like this is dark this is wicked this is the movie <laughs> yeah man and what i love when a good line a movie line stands out. I remember I was like, whoa, that was kind of cool. Uh, there's like this, and I'm not giving anything away here in the movie, but there's a scene where there's like a priest talking with the brother and sister that are, that are you know, visiting their mom. That was, you know, their, their dad is dying. Their dad is sick in bed at this farmhouse and they're meeting with a priest and, and, they're talking about the devil because the, the brother and sister don't believe in the devil. Like they don't believe that's why, you know, there's shit going on at the house and they can't understand what's going on when it's evil forces, obviously, but they don't believe it. And they're telling this priest about, they don't believe or, you know, in the devil. And he goes, what does it matter whether you believe you think a wolf cares if you believe he's a wolf, not if he finds you alone in the woods. And it's just like this creepy fucking moment. You're like, fuck yeah. Like just the devil, man. He doesn't give a shit whether you believe or not. He's coming after you, you know? Yeah, uh, I do. I do love me some good lines. I, I love a good title drop in the movie. I've been a big fan of the the Leonardo DiCaprio yes. uh, Once Upon a Time Hollywood meme. 
Um, I, I love waiting for that. That's one tiny nitpick I did have about uh, anything for Jackson. Cause like I felt that they were talking about it in the conversation, but they like kind of, they just like kept tiptoeing around it and they would say it, but not in, they wouldn't, they never <laughs> once said anything for Jackson. It pissed me off. They were like so close. I, I literally had my finger waiting. I was like, Why come on. Snap. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, come on, yeah. say it. I was like, say it, say it. And then he like said a version of it, but he never actually said anything for Jackson. I was like, damn it. I was like, you motherfuckers don't tease me like that. Um, gotta love a good title yeah. drop in there. But those are our top six, uh, movies of 2020. And of course we had some honorable mentions in there as well. Um, and you know, this list is, I mean, honestly, this list is going to change before 2020 ends for me. Like I'm still going to try to squeeze in a few more 2020 releases and maybe write something. I might do a top 10, um, written post or something later in the week. Cause I'm, I'm definitely going to try and squeeze a few more in before the end of the year. Uh, 2020 has been my most movies watched in the year, like just in general in the past, like five years. So I'm trying to up my numbers. So you know, this list could change. And I mean, the list changed as we were making them, as we were announcing them. So um, that is our top six of 2020. Oh, hey, it's future Devon checking in here. Um, the conversation between Johnny and I ended up going way longer than I was expecting. I was kind of planning on doing the top six and the bloodies in the same episode, but we just had too much to talk about because 2020 has offered quite a bit of, um, awesome horror goodness. So we will go ahead and take a pause here on the episode, but don't worry. Volume two of the best of 2020, including the bloodies will be up tomorrow so you will have both of these episodes to listen to this weekend at your new year's hangover leisure so that will go ahead and do it for this episode but don't worry we have one more to close out 2020 it is the first annual bloodies it is the award show where we will be celebrating the best performances monsters and kills and much much more of 2020 so stay tuned for that make sure you guys are following me on twitter and instagram at underscore daddy disco and the podcast page at bloody blunt cc until next time guys stay lifted 